Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, it is indeed time to tap into the truth. Welcome to today's broadcast. Hope you are having a great day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. Uh, with you as always, this is your host, Tim Tapp, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And we are waiting to hear from our first hour guest today, that being Mr. Danny Page. We will try to make contact with him here briefly as I'm actually trying to overcome a technical glitch that I can't seem to get rid of. At any rate, there we go. I seem to have it now. At least I think so. Anyway, welcome. Uh, those of you who are regular listeners know it has been a while since I have broadcasted right here on Blog Talk. I have been doing a bit here and there on uh, Spreaker, but I've taken an extended uh, leave since the death of my father. Uh, but the bottom line is there is just way too many uh, things going on right now for us not to uh, be in the fray and having the conversation. Uh, one of those things is simply a matter of our elections. And speaking of elections, our guest is with us now. Uh, Danny, how are you today? I'm very well, Tim. How are you? Doing very well, and I uh, appreciate you taking the time out of your campaign to be with us. Uh, you have, of course, been on the show a few times before, uh, actually made the announcement that you would be running as an independent here on the show. Uh, I like to think of you as a friend of the show, and uh, definitely wanted to give you an opportunity, uh, first of all, to uh, – well, tell us what your impressions of the Republican primary race were since uh, you initially were considering running as a Republican. Uh, okay, well uh- – Thank you for letting me uh, come back on the show. It's always a pleasure to talk with you and your audience. Uh, you guys have been, been a friend to us, so I appreciate that. Uh, Republican primary, I, I will I will say this up front. I was uh, 
not surprised that Lamar won, but I was surprised at how well Joe Carr did, and I want to compliment him, uh, compliment his campaign, all the people that pulled that together, that work hard, and the passion that goes in that, because I live that every day, so I understand. Uh, so I, I want to congratulate them and compliment It was not a, a loss in that sense to pull 40% against Lamar Alexander with uh, – Five and six other people in the race. That that was a that was really a victory in that sense. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're still left with the need to unseat Lamar Alexander. Um, and so we we foresaw that with the six candidates uh, vying for all for the same votes, and we pulled out and decided to run as an independent. And so, you know, we got about 80 days left of the general election, Tim, and uh, we need to come together now. We need to get this done. Speaking of coming together and the fact that there were six and even now about six different people that were running against Lamar, uh, you have now got the support of several of uh, those folks that were running against Lamar that – Early on in the early stages of this campaign were actually rivals of yours. These same people that you were going around and talking to that they were trying to get your votes. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that support's come about and uh, where that's standing. Uh, yeah, this week we spent a couple of days up in Knoxville and East Tennessee, and uh, three of the candidates uh, that ran in the GOP primary uh, are in East Tennessee, two of them in Knoxville specifically. And, uh, you know, votes are votes. Uh, and they may have pulled 5 6% between the three of them. Those are several thousand votes. And we're talking 10% difference in beating Lamar on August 7th. Plus you have to consider how many, how many Democrats came out and voted for Lamar in that primary. Uh, so those 6%, that, that's a big number. In that regard, so uh, Aaron McGee, Brenda Leonard, uh, which I know you have Brenda on your show, and John yes, King have have come out in support of our campaign. Uh, Brenda and uh, John uh, have agreed to uh, help rally, uh, go out and speak as uh, surrogates for us, and uh, try to bring all their voters, all their supporters, into one corral and get this done because you. There's a credibility issue on the line here, Tim. There's an integrity issue. If on August 7th, primary election day, it was this expedient that we beat Lamar Alexander, that doesn't change today. Going into the November 4th general election, we still have to beat Lamar Alexander. If he was bad on August 7th, he's bad today. And uh, those three uh, individuals signed on very quickly. I will say this. I have calls into uh, Dr. George Flynn and his campaign. Uh, some of his supporters have already come on with us, but I, I need the doc to come out and, and to make that public endorsement, that public statement. Uh, you know, we've met, and he says he likes me and, and, and all that good stuff, but, you know, we we got to get it done at right. this point. I'm reaching out to Christian Agnew. Uh, 
actually went by his house because he doesn't live far from me, but he had a house fire, so I'm not sure what happened there or where he's at. Haven't been able to reach him yet. Uh, he was two or three percent of the vote, and of course the big one is Joe Carr, and uh, lots of Joe Carr people have uh, automatically translated our way, and we we need to come together. Like I said, if if Lamar Alexander is a bad senator for the state of Tennessee, then he's a bad senator for the state of Tennessee, and there was more votes cast against him than cast for him. We need to get this done, and if you're a Joe Carr supporter in the primary, I challenge you to go to my website to look it over. I challenge you to call me, to email me, to ask me the questions. I believe you'll find that you can easily be a supporter of mine. But I need you to put pressure on Joe Carr, pressure on the Beat Lamar team. Hey, guys, you pumped this into us for a year that Lamar Alexander was bad. Don't abandon us now. Stand up and be leaders and say, go vote for Danny Page. All right. Uh, there's, there's no question. If Tennessee was like a lot of other states out there that actually had runoffs uh, in their primary races, uh, the Republican uh, primary would still be underway. Uh, the very fact that there was, in fact, so much support for Joe Carr led to a lot of people trying to convince him into having a write-in campaign. Uh, he came out. He announced, of course, that he wasn't going to do that, but it, he took a little time. He thought about it, and you know, to me, that signifies two things. Number one, that he was serious about trying to lead via conservative values, and number two, he saw that there was really – uh, the real possibility, the real chance that maybe had Democratic voters not crossed over, that he should have won that primary. It would be really nice if he would now recognize you as a remaining conservative voice, uh, even though you are an independent. You're not going to have the big money behind you. It would be nice if that support did come your way. So, yeah, I'm also going to go ahead and uh, make a call out to all Joe Carr supporters. Take a serious look at Danny. Um, the man is – well, the man is everything that he says he is. He's an honest-to-goodness, hardworking individual. He understands what it means to live on a budget, and he does everything that he can to take care of his family. And so these things are important. He understands traditional Christian family values, and there's no question we need more of that in D.C. Uh, while we're on a similar topic… Uh seems like uh, Mr. Alexander has had some issues with uh, campaigning laws. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how that is proceeding? Uh, well, that's proceeding as we, we figured it was. And for, for your audience, if they're not aware, we filed a uh, Federal Elections Commission complaint against Lamar Alexander, uh, Lamar Alexander, a state ethics committee complaint. Uh and there was one other complaint uh, that we filed against him, all because he colluded with the Tennessee State Museum to run a uh, a museum uh, attraction coinciding with his re-election campaign. Uh, it made the news last summer, but no one ever filed a complaint. The Election Commission didn't do anything. He had earmarked $400,000 for this state museum, you know, a lot of, a whole lot of money changing hands, uh, and you know, it was just going to be a victory lap for him. And 
and the, the museum was going to go around and do all the stops where he had walked across the state, and were, it was going to be a traveling exhibit. And uh, the lady that runs the museum was a Lamar Alexander appointee from when he was governor. And, you know, she was quick to say, hey, uh, we we didn't even realize he was running for re-election. But, uh, you know, we have the emails through uh, um, public disclosure laws where her museum was emailing his re-election team, not his Senate office, but his re-election office. So, you know, that just – that boat don't float. So they knew good and well he was running for re-election. So, of course, they postponed the exhibit till after. But here's the thing. We knew it wasn't going to get any traction. Uh, in fact, right after I filed the FEC complaint, uh, the FEC came to me and said, hey, you haven't filed your disclosure statement. And so uh, I had to prove to them that I had filed my financial disclosure statement. Uh, so he was trying to play, Isn't you know, tit for tat. Yeah. <laughs> and Lamar has the power Very to do convenient. that. You know, I imagine I'll get audited by the IRS this year probably. Well, I would say just about anybody that expresses uh, a conservative slant over the next few years ought to be worried about that, <laughs> given uh, right. the targeting that the IRS has done. But, uh, yeah, I, I, again, I just want to make sure that the listening audience was aware that not only did this happen, but that you were actually in the fight here. You're in the fray. You filed this. You, you've taken a stand, and you're on record. Uh, right. There's no question. You know, I, I have talked in the past about Lamar Alexander's resume. Uh, he has done a lot of great things for the state of Tennessee. There's no question. But at the same time, he has always been a get-along-to-come-along kind of guy. He has had a rather liberal ideas about education at the national level. Uh, and while all these things – kind of coalesce into someone that doesn't really represent Tennessee values anymore. I think it's important for folks that are outside of the state that maybe don't understand how what looks like a lock in the Republican Party in a conservative state could still be such a contentious race. There, there's just this, this overwhelming thing that everyone needs to be aware of, and that is when we send people – to D.C., we need to do so with the intent of only having them there so long. We send somebody to drain the cesspool, but they end up uh, enjoying the party. And, and it's really only a matter of time before people just have a hard time turning down and moving away from uh, all those temptations to kind of, well, maybe if I take just a little bit. It, it's really hard expectations. So with that in mind, I did have a couple of questions that were offered up from uh, some of the listeners over at uh, Tea Party Community. Uh, okay. One of them specifically was asking uh, if you would actively work to try and uh, institute term limits uh, for both the House and the Senate. Absolutely, and I would be uh, thrilled to author that bill. And that is one of the main things I find on the campaign trail. Personally, I am a term limits guy. Uh, I cannot stand the thought, really, of being in Washington because it is accessible. And uh, just, just in this campaigning, the politics is one nasty business. Uh, but I'm a term limits guy, and uh, I will author the bill. I will author the constitutional amendment. Uh, you know, it's just absolutely 
uh, laughable that they slapped the constitutional amendment on the presidency, uh, but excluded themselves. And uh, it's time for it's time for Congress to pay up. And I I will do that for the state of Tennessee. And I find that on the campaign trail to be one of the first issues of talk. We want term limits. All right, absolutely. Now, uh, because you had been on the show before and I had actually had... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That question uh, with you before, I already was aware of that, but listeners always have to assume that somebody's new to the show. Uh, and you know that's that's absolutely fantastic. You are definitely a a constitutionally limited government kind of guy. You have a great appeal to the same folks that Joe Carr was appealing to, and I think uh, to a lot of other voters across the country. Um, same person also asked a question, and I'll go ahead and get it out of the the way because it really wasn't something I had intended on touching on today because of other things that are going on in the world that I wanted to get your take on. Uh, but they also wanted to know what you would be doing in regards and where you stood with uh, GMO labeling and uh, GMO and the standard food supply. I'm sure you've probably heard this question more than a few times by now. But uh, uh, That's a great question, uh, and, and the sad thing is that most of the American public uh, just aren't aware of what genetically modified organisms are, and if you listen to the spin – that those that produce that, uh, you know, it, it's it's sickening in and of itself. My family, uh, we we do a lot of food shopping up in uh, what we call Amish country, just across the Kentucky border in Scottsville, Kentucky. So we we get a lot of raw foods, a lot of whole foods. Now, granted, you know, when we're out eating at a restaurant, you you never know quite what you're getting, but we try to uh, watch labeling and stuff at stores and try to eat as organic as possible. I'm raising six kids, and uh, I'm just not real sure what we're putting in their bodies anymore. And, and you know, it's not that I'm this crazy health nut, you know, in the perfect shape, because by far I'm not. I've got a sweet tooth, and I, I put stuff in my body that I probably shouldn't. But we're trying to be conscious of that. And I don't like government regulation, Tim. And, and labeling food products with GMO labels, that is government regulation, but it, that's something that people need to be aware of. Uh, when you take a gene out of a fish and you uh, graft it into a tomato in order to make that tomato more resilient to wet weather, and I get that because I've 
I've raised tomatoes, and if you get too much rain, then it ruins your crop. But uh, that ain't the way God designed it. <laughs> if, you know, he, he put the genes in the tomatoes that the tomatoes need. And what is that doing inside of our bodies? And uh, quite frankly, I just don't trust what's going on. And the fact that they don't want it labeled just screams that there's a problem. They should gladly say, okay, label our product. Uh, the fact that they want to change the names of some of their products because people are catching on, uh, you know, the high fructose corn syrup, getting off of the GMO just a little bit here, but, uh, you know, it started getting the bad rap, so they want to change it to corn sugar. <laughs> it's not a well, you know, rebrand. That, that is absolutely straight out of the liberals' playbook for every time they're losing a political argument. If you can't yeah. win by telling the truth, you change the language so that it sounds much nicer. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. It's rebrand. Uh, so you would be, in fact, willing to either author a bill or co-sponsor a bill that would move towards uh, forced labeling in the U.S. of GMO and possibly even an attempt to keep that uh, outside yeah. of the uh, – Mainstream food channel. Right. Just want to make sure we got that. If you look, if you look at the, if you look at the world, uh, the world is running away from GMOs. Uh, when you would think yeah. that they would be welcoming it, because you know the the science behind the GMO is we can grow more corn, we can grow more of this, more of that in in desert situations, in uh, rainy situations, and in in all kind of environments. And atmospheres, we can grow it, we can feed the world, but the world where where poverty is more and famine is more prevalent, they're running as far away from GMOs as they can because they see uh, that that America's eat up with cancer and they're not. And and does GMOs cause cancer? I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. But there's something going on in America that just isn't really happening on that scale across the world. And uh, Monsanto, they're the number one culprit in GMOs. Uh, when when I you can grow a plot of corn on your land that's Monsanto corn, and I'm next door to you, and I've got uh, heirloom corn, natural seeds, and then Monsanto says because of cross pollination, they now own my crop. <laughs> where, where do we live at? I thought we lived in a free land. Uh, but, you know, the honeybees brought their product over to my land, and, uh, and you know, Monsanto's being outlawed across the world. But yet, uh, we have put some of their leaders in charge of the FDA. Okay. And talk about oh, hey, there's, there, there are three things that Christ that you definitely need to be paying attention to. Number one is the fact that... Uh, we live in a country with the highest uh, rate of obesity, but still one of the worst levels of uh, nutrition. I mean, we have people that suffer from malnutrition, but we have an abundance to eat. We also have seen unprecedented new levels of food allergens, and uh, yeah, the cancer rate also has been skyrocketing. So these things point to the simple fact that there's something different about our food supply. The other thing is the fact that everybody that talks from the other side of the uh, point of view here instantly wants to push this issue into the realm of the conspiracy theorist and the tinfoil hat crowd. If these people are instantly pointing it over there, 
it's time to take a closer look because they're trying to discredit it immediately. And I think we've all seen by now that a lot of the folks that are deemed conspiracy theorists are just a little bit ahead of the curve. Uh, also, the very simple fact that, uh, like you pointed out, the rest of the world isn't just walking the running away from GMO foods. They don't want it in their food supply. They don't want uh, contact with it. That's not coincidence. That's not accident, and that's not ignorance, no matter what anybody wants to say. Uh, let's uh, go ahead and uh, we'll switch over. Uh, Lady Michelle was in the chat room, and she said that more important than term limits is the repeal of the 17th Amendment. Uh, let's go ahead and get your take on that while we're being interactive. Absolutely. Uh, the 17th Amendment, I've talked about this on your show before, uh, that was uh, the way our forefathers designed it. Senators, the U.S. Senate was designed to be a body that would protect states' rights, that would stand up for the 10th Amendment, and uh, there would be uh, watchdogs, watchmen, if you will, sitting on the wall and saying, uh, no, that, that's not going to fly with the state of Tennessee, and we're not going to allow that. But, but what happened 100 years ago, progressives got in there, and they passed the 17th Amendment, and they basically made U.S. senators were, before they were appointed uh, by the state houses, and they would appoint people that they knew, that they trusted, that would go out there and would serve the people. And uh, then they become this elected body. Basically, they're a house of representatives at large, if you will. And every state gets two of them, and they're elected by the majority of the people. And the states, uh, we see it. The states are not being taken care of. All these lawsuits we've seen filed by the states in the past five or six years, uh, because of federal intrusion, whether it be Obamacare, whether it be immigration, or whatever it is, Lamar Alexander and Bob Corker, they're not looking out for the state of Tennessee, the sovereignty of Tennessee. Yes, I am a voice and a vote to repeal the 17th Amendment and uh, and to put it back into the hands. And you know what, Tim? If it was, if it was like that today, uh, if the 17th Amendment did not exist, then I would not even be in the in the thought process of our state house. Hey, let, what about that Danny Page guy? He'd make a good U.S. senator. They wouldn't even I wouldn't be on their radar screen at all. And so I, I realize I'd be putting myself out of an opportunity to serve. And but I'm fine with that because that was the intent of our forefathers, and those guys uh, were inspired, and those guys were you know. Geniuses when it comes to this republic. Uh, agreed. I think the biggest argument here is uh, sadly lost on the majority of Americans because they just don't understand even the simple concept of states' rights. They don't understand the Senate was created to represent the states' uh, interests and, more importantly, the states' values to be that voice for them. Uh, as opposed to just uh, another version of your House of Representatives. A lot of folks don't get it. They don't understand it. They don't even want to look back at it, and they've been led to believe that somehow that's uh, a move against them, and that's why they moved that way. But uh, when you take a look at what Arizona and Texas uh, in particular over the last several years of the Obama administration has had to do, 
uh, not the least of which we'll touch on a little bit more, the current border crisis going on. Uh, It's absolutely unreal to think that we've come this far and the folks in Washington just want to keep going full speed ahead in the opposite direction, which is why it's even more important for us to elect people that are willing to stand up and do that. I mean, you said it yourself. You know that in essence, you would be removing yourself from the equation if yeah. that had, if it, it had, if it was the way it was supposed to be. So that shows right. a level of understanding. Uh, is there any other particular updates specifically to the campaign that you'd like to discuss before we uh, move on to some of the world events that you, as Senator Danny Page, would have to face? Well, let me let me uh, point out and plug, if I will, uh, Danny Page for Senate.com or Page for F-O-R, T-N.com. Uh, check out the website. There's all kind of articles, all kind of topics, platform and policy positions, some pictures, some videos, some podcasts. Uh, go to Facebook. Go to Twitter, the social media platforms. Interact with us. Uh, there's a phone number you can call me. There's an email address you can email me. But pageforteen.com. Be sure to go there. Uh, check it out. Spread the word for us. Guys, this is a big fight that we have. We we really, if we miss this opportunity to coalesce and, and, and to show the establishment, the establishment in both parties, uh, me being an independent does not change the fact uh, that I'm a personal conservative and that I'm looking out for liberty. That doesn't, it, you know, I'm an independent because of the situation that was before us. But we will show these party establishment types that Tennessee is ready to look out for Tennessee, and we're willing to elect one of our own this year at all costs to throw the parties away. And that's what I'm finding on the campaign trail. People say we're voting against the incumbent, we're voting against the parties, and we want one of our own up there. And uh, if we, we just cannot afford to miss this opportunity because it may not come back around again. And uh, there's so many things hanging in the balance. I'm sure we're going to talk talk about those. But reach out to us through uh, social media, through the website, uh, call, email, and uh, let's get together in your neck of woods. Let's put an event together, a small rally or, or a meeting or whatever, and let's get this done. We've got opportunities for you to volunteer and to be a part of this, we have a strategy and a gameplay, but we need people to help us. All right. Um, I know it's one of the nastier sides of uh, the truth about running a campaign at this level. Uh, how are you doing uh, financially campaign-wise? Are you having a reasonable amount of contributions? Are you getting the help? Um, that that is, uh, <laughs> that is always the million-dollar question. Uh, with the $5 answer, uh, the primary let, – let me just say this. Every time I needed a dollar, Tim, I had the dollar. And there were days when I'm like, I'm going to need X amount of money tomorrow, and I don't have it. And before I needed it, I had it. And, uh, you know, call it what you will. I call it the hand of God working in our favor I believe he called me to run this race, did not say I was going to win it, but he's put every dollar. I've never had to say, you know what, we don't have the money to do that. Uh, It would be nice if the treasure chest was loaded down with thousands of dollars and we could do all these other things, Uh, but it's going to be nice 
if we win this thing and say, you know what, we did this on X amount of X amount of money. We do have some people ready to write some fairly large checks right now since the primary has ended, and uh, they have committed to that. It's going to be a huge shot in the arm to us. It's going to help us get some name recognition across the state. And, uh, you know, I'm just we'll, – we'll take every donation you'll send our way. Most of those have been, you know, 10 and $25 donations. Uh, but we do need that help in that regard, and we appreciate every dime that is donated, contributed, because I know how, how hard I have to work for my money, and uh, and and I don't take what you give for granted. Um, we bought some yard signs, and I personally finance that. And uh, well, finance it out of out of my budget. I didn't borrow any money for it. But uh, right. And so I, I get that it costs a little money. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, even if you're not doing any commercials or ads or signs, you still got to pay for gas and you got some hotel stays here and there, things of that nature. I don't believe that it costs 5 and $10 million to run a campaign. That's what the politicians have convinced us. And there are, there's a huge political campaign economy that takes place this time of year, and it, it is just, it's crazy. You know, the radio ads go up in price, and there's signs and advertisements everywhere. And but uh, we need some help. And but uh, I'll believe that the money will be there every time we need it. Because that's the way it's been from day one. Well, uh, I, I kind of agree with your assessment of probably what's behind uh, the needs being supplied as they're needed. Uh, right. However, uh, for everybody who's listening and anybody who wants to help out, Danny's already mentioned his website, and uh, we'll give you another opportunity uh, to give out that information before we uh, let you go today. Uh, I mean, it's it's the unfortunate truth, and the, it's the ugliest side of politics, other than the fact that some people are willing to do whatever it takes to win regardless of principle. Uh, but the fact that you've got to have enough cash to put yourself out there in front of the majority of people, and that being a limiting factor, uh, I, from what I've seen and from what I've heard, I, I honestly think that you're doing a very good job of getting your name out there. Most people know you or have at least heard of you at this point, whether they know what you're doing yet or not. It's a little harder to keep uh, in front of the folks that aren't political junkies like uh, the folks right. who typically listen to this show. But uh, well, let's take a step back and let's, uh, let's imagine for a second that you have won uh, that election and – 
I, for one, would be very happy if that was the case because I have had enough of Lamar, and I certainly don't want to take a step closer to the Democrats uh, locking down further control of the Senate. Uh, The agenda is just too scary to me. But uh, if you won, uh, what exactly do you think should be our role in the world? Because this is one of those questions that a lot of folks get on here and really grill our candidates about. When Joe Carr was on, I had a gentleman call in who was uh, giving uh, Joe absolute Hades about uh, his stand on Israel. And unfortunately, I had – I was off air. I wasn't actually listening uh, at that very second because I was talking to somebody else that wanted to talk to Joe, but it was getting to the point where it was time for him to leave, and I was – Trying to do the smooth things with the uh, the caller, and then I got back to it. And what really surprised me is, first of all, the caller had called here before, and typically is very respectful. He asks tough questions, but he's usually very respectful. He doesn't normally keep hammering and hammering on the same thing, which he did. And I have extended official apologies to Joe uh, and his campaign uh, at that point, but I still think that that really wasn't quite enough to make him happy at the moment. And I can't blame him. Uh, ultimately, that's still. My responsibility on that, so I will again on air uh, apologize and acknowledge that. But let's move here. You've managed to win the election. What should our role be involving, uh, let's say, something like Hezbollah in Israel, for example? Okay. Uh, And I happen to hear that exchange between Joe and the caller, and here's the deal. If elected to Senate, whoever it is, they're going to get some tough questions, and they ought not be able to walk away. They ought not to be able to cry, Uncle, uh, you know, save me, uh, anything of that nature. You're you're the senator, and you've got to be able to face the music from time to time. Uh, my stance on Israel, I, I love Israel. I think Israel uh, can be an ally and has been an ally in the region. I think that they are a beacon of hope in a very dark place in the world. Uh, Israel does not mistreat Arabs that are in in their country. Uh, uh, They get a vote. Arabs get a vote in the Israeli uh, election process. Uh, They're well taken care of over there. The problem with Israel and the reason that we continue to have problems is because we tie their hands. We tell Israel they can't fight back. Britain tells Israel they can't fight back. France, uh, Germany, you can't fight back, Israel. Let them defend their land, and the Arabs will stop the nonsense. You know, they won the war in six days, but uh, back in the 60s and in the 70s, uh, and, and took land from the Arabs. And I think that's a fair deal. If you come and attack me, I get to take your stuff if I beat you. Uh, that's what war is all about. But we want to send money to Israel. And then we want to use that to say, okay, Israel, you can't fight back unless we say so. Uh, No. No, Israel gets to fight back. And if it costs Israel that money that we send over there, which it's a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money compared to what we send into some other places. Uh, And and quite frankly, I think we need to reexamine all of the money we send everywhere. But – Israel needs to be said, hey, that's your property, that's your people, it's your homeland, defend it, defend it. Well, now, we're not coming over there and putting boots on the ground defending it for you. You defend your – if that was happening, if Hezbollah 
was in Canada launching rockets into Detroit or New York or wherever, we would have none of it. We would blow them back into the Stone Ages, and Israel ought to have every right to do so. They do have the right to do so. Uh, America and some other nations are bullying them to prevent it. We need to get out of the way. So, in essence, you're saying that our role should be to unhandcuff them and yeah. uh, let them do what they need to do? You know, we can send uh, we can send a message out. You know, how about this? Since uh, since our president likes to do the uh, likes the Twitter and do hashtag uh, bring back our girls and all these things. Hashtag all, right. all Hades is going to break loose. Hamas and Hezbollah. If you launch another rocket <laughs> or whatever, put them people on notice. Put those terrorist organizations on notice. Hey. We give them the green light to unload on you and to kill every one of you. And, and, and yes, I know innocent men, women, and children are, are being killed, and that happens in war all the time. In World War II, American bombs and British bombs killed a lot of innocent people in Europe because they were in the middle of a war zone. That happens. It's sad. It's tragic. We're not intentionally trying to go after them. That happens in war. It always has and it always will. We need to send a message uh, to the jihadists, a message to the terrorists. There's no handcuff. The, the dog is off the leash. And uh, the dog's going to come and get you because Israel is well capable. They certainly are. And, yeah, I, I have to admit, the, the, with the recent activities over there, Israel has done more to try and protect innocent civilians than any military ever has before. Ever. The bottom line here in this particular conflict is Israel wants to live in peace. Hamas wants to kill every living Jew. Right. You, you can't negotiate with that. You can't have the kumbaya moment and hug it out the way certain members of our administration and other – Hollywood types would like to think you can, and if you're going to tell Israel, oh no, we're going to condemn you for blowing up a hospital, or we're going to condemn you for blowing up a school, well, where's the condemnations for Hamas hiding in those hospitals and those schools and launching rockets from there? Uh, Yes, I, I firmly agree with you. It's not a case for we need to have boots on the ground. I certainly wouldn't call for that, but we definitely, like you say, need to have a much stronger presence on the world stage in support of Israel and not so much Hamas. Because ultimately the, the people that are really getting the rawest deal here, it's not the Israelis, although innocent people are dying there. It's the people of Gaza, the people that didn't vote for Hamas but ended up stuck with Hamas anyway. I mean Hamas yeah. got roughly 40% of the votes in that election that put them in charge. They're being victimized by the people that are supposed to be their government, their leadership, and they're being used as cannon fodder in a PR campaign to be used worldwide in our media and the media worldwide for that matter… … is playing right along with the Hamas side of it, 
and not painting the true picture. The very fact that they try to draw a moral equivalency to what Hamas is doing and what Israel does is not only just sickening, but it also shows the level of gullibility that exists around the world for the people that just don't know any better. Uh, similar context, a little bit different situation though. What do you think the U.S. role should be in engaging with ISIS? That's a tough one right there, Tim. Uh, and and I, I may I may alienate some people here. Uh, and and for any new listeners that don't know me, I am a Christian, a devout Christian. I have pastored two churches, youth pastor. Uh, I may. I've spent a couple hours at church this morning. That's that's who my family. That's who we are. What we do. We're heavily involved uh, in in the kingdom of God and spreading the word of God. Uh, we got a mess in Iraq, and uh, part of what we've done over the past decade is brought on this mess. Uh, that stuff didn't go on. And hear me out right here, because some people are going to gasp. That stuff didn't go on with Saddam Hussein was the dictator. Now, he did some bad things, and he was a bad man, and he got what he deserved. You uh, you reap what you sow, and he, he reaped what he had sown. But we've left a vacuum over there. Uh, the people that came up into leadership had no business in leadership. They're not leaders. They don't have the support of the people. It's just an absolute mess, and here come the jihadists. And I just dread clicking on Facebook some days, Tim, and seeing the news and seeing the piles of bodies. And it breaks my heart as a human, breaks my heart as a Christian. And uh, I'm I'm to pray for them. The church, Christian church, and in Iraq is suffering persecution, like we see in Bible days. Like we see uh, shortly after, you know, uh, what we would consider Bible days, uh, it's not new. It's just really, and, and the thing is, it goes on all over the world all the time. But due to today's media, the internet, and social media, we're seeing the pictures, and it's it's really bad. And as a Christian, I want to help. I really do. Uh, we've got this document called the U.S. Constitution, and it does not empower the federal government to do a thing about it. And uh, so if we want to be constitutional, we have to admit that our hands are kind of tied as a government to go over there and, and to bomb ISIS off the face of the earth, even though I'd love to do it. But let me talk as a Christian here for a moment. Uh not that I haven't been any other, but in regards strictly to the Word of God, the Kingdom of Bible tells the church that when you're doing the will of God, that you will suffer persecution. The church, the Christians in the book of Acts, were out about the Father's business. Uh, the, the testimony was that they had turned the world on its ear. Uh, just 12 men had turned the world on its ear. And they... Uh, all of the disciples but one were killed, and they tried to kill him, and they killed countless other members of the church. It, it was just terrible. And then the Roman Empire was killing them all until, uh, what's his name, Constantine had a 
encounter with God, and and he put a, a ceasefire, an end to the persecution. But then what happened to the church? The church got comfortable. The church fell into what we call the Dark Ages and all kind of uh, doctrines and doctrines of men and all kind of, you know, we get into all kind of church history right there. But persecution right. keeps the church on its ear. And that sounds so awful to say. But the reason we don't have persecution like that in America is because the American church is comfortable. The American church is rather watching NASCAR or football instead of reading their Bible and praying and witnessing to their neighbors. The American church is backslid, and we will never see that form of persecution here. Not that the government would come and bail us out if we did. I think there's some in the government just assume see ISIS coming over here and beheading people, and but it's not going to happen because we're not a threat to their religion. But the church in Iraq, the church in India, the church in China, the church uh, in, in most of those Middle Eastern lands in Africa, they are a threat to the Muslim religion because Muslims are converting by the hundreds, if not the thousands, daily. Because those Christians believe and practice what they believe, and so our our duty is to pray for them and to pray for that God will supernaturally help them. But I believe with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I personally believe that constitutionally, there is nothing American can do about it. Okay. And that's fair enough. And I have to agree with you on that point. I myself, though, I personally tend to think uh, I fall into the uh, mindset of It's a tough one, Tim. It's a tough one. Right. The rise of this caliphate has not only to do with the fact that we went in there and deposed Saddam, and you made a great point historically in the fact that Saddam was a secularist. He was part of the Ba'ath Party. They didn't like the prophet of Islam being involved with the ideologies and how the government was working. In fact, I never once heard Saddam Hussein make a statement involving Islam until after U.S. troops were in Baghdad and he was in hiding and he was calling for right. help. Right, absolutely. But, uh, you know, I, I do kind of tend to think that we do have a responsibility at this point because of what we've already done. Yeah, we, uh, we kind again. of brought it on them. So in that regard, you know, you know, our president pulled our troops out, and now he says he didn't do it, but George Bush did. And that's just 
that's just craziness <laughs> to him. If we'd had yeah. people there, yeah, not... we could put a stop to it. I, I really don't know what the re- remedy. I'm not a constitutional scholar, but, I, you know, the Bible says, and, and again, I'm going to go back to the Bible because I'm a, I'm a Christian. The Bible says in the book of Revelation to that this will transpire in Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, and it says yes. that, uh, that he calls his people out to flee from there. And it becomes the uh, the haven of every foul spirit, and that has got ISIS written all over it. You think of all the sins, all the crimes that you could possibly think of. That's who ISIS is. They have they they're coming on the scene, and they're making Adolf Hitler look like a choir boy. Uh, and and if if they keep going the way they're going, they're, they're certainly going to prove that to be true. But the book of Revelation, I think it's chapter 18, specifically points to this activity in Iraq. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like maybe the only answer is for Christian church to get out of Iraq. And if we want to go over there and help them people get out, I'm I'm good with that uh, situation, helping them move somewhere in the world. I ain't talking about bringing a bunch of refugees over here. Uh, but... Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I, I really don't know exactly what the answer is for that. It, it's a big one. Yeah. Well, in truth, I, there is no easy answer, or else somebody would have already done it. I mean, yeah. it was just that we, simple. We need but, to be praying. Uh, right. In fact, uh, on uh, that same topic, before we switch up, uh, that was exactly the point uh, our pastor made this morning: is that every single Christian here needs to be praying for direct intervention. By God, uh, not only for the purpose of converting Christians, but for converting some of those Muslims, uh, so that they can come to recognize, uh, just like Saul did, also yes. in the Book of Acts, uh, how wrong things have been to this point. Uh, all right, let's shift gears. I mean, again, it's tough. I, I am concerned a little more about the Caliphate. Uh, the oh, operational area is more. Their, their operational area is a lot more than what most people are hearing. If you were watching the news, you'd think it was limited to northern Iraq, and that's simply not the case. They control large sections of Iraq. They're right up. They have small portions of Iran now. Uh, they are operating inside Jordan. They have portions. They're right up to the border of Saudi Arabia. Uh, this they become. They went from being a movement. To a standing army, and of course, the big thing uh, this past week, everybody in the social media world kept pointing out the fact that we've been seeing uh, ISIS flags flying in American cities, on front porches, uh, on the fence to the White House. Threats have been made. Uh, These people are fanatical. So, like you said, there's no simple solutions. And and like I said, uh, constitutionally speaking, you're dead on. We really don't have much – if we're going to go strict – Constitutionally, and if that's what we're going to do, we have to abide by that, whether we like the outcome of it or not. Uh, there's really right. not a lot we can do. So let's just there's, there's a couple more questions I wanted to get to before I let you go. And of course, now we're getting into the last few minutes uh, that you're scheduled to be here. So, and I hate to cut you short because these are both really important. I think number one, I want to get to this before I get to the last one, and that is, uh, what do you do as senator? to try and uh, deal with the current crisis on the border? 
All right, uh, let's, let's let's move through this real quick. Here's the thing with the border. Obviously, we, I see it as a three to four step situation. We've got to secure that border. We can secure that border. The Chinese built a wall between them and uh, Genghis Khan that you can see from outer space. We can build a fence. We can get it done. We can employ technology. We can get it done. We've got to not talk about E-Verify, but we've got to mandate E-Verify. I can go into many, many, many businesses here in Nashville, Tennessee, and there's illegal aliens working there. How does that happen? It happens because businesses are not held accountable. Those things have got to be done. But if we lock the border down tight, if we make it where businesses cannot, will not hire, they're still going to find a way to get here somehow, some way. And why? Because their governments in Mexico and Central America are corrupt. They always have been corrupt. They're not going to change. The Mexican people are are very nationalistic people. I, I know a lot of them. I've been around a lot of them. They love Mexico. They really do. The Greece, they send all their money back home every Friday, which is stealing wealth right out of our economy, never to come back. That's another problem. But we need revolution to take place in Mexico. That government needs to be overthrown by the Mexican people. The drug lords need to be overthrown by the Mexican people. They have the 14th largest economy in the in the world. They make more automobiles in Mexico than we make in, Can, uh, in, in the United States and Canada makes in Canada. They have oil. They have natural gas. They have a great tourism uh, economy. They can stand on their own except for their government is corrupt. Their government is corrupt by nature. Their government is racist by nature. The, the light-skinned European descendants rule the land in Mexico and Central America, and the darker-skinned Native uh, American uh, descendants are, are poverty and impoverished. There's very, very, very small middle class in Mexico. It's growing a bit now, uh, but I would love to see a Mexican spring happen where the Mexican people rise up at whatever the cost, and overthrow their government. I don't want boots on the ground in Mexico, even though we've done that many times through, uh, through the existence of the United States. You know, Mexico's always been a problem. Uh, but let's quit, quit treating symptoms. Amnesty has got to come off the table. Lamar Alexander said this week that it is a shame that Congress has not passed amnesty. The guy campaigned and said that he ended amnesty. And now he says it's a shame that we haven't passed it. Full-fledged amnesty is going to come up for a vote in Congress next month. Uh, they've been waiting for these primaries to be over. All the primaries will end on September 9th. You can mark it down. Amnesty's coming, and if they don't pass it in Congress, Obama's got a phone and a pen, and he's going to do it. And it's going to wreak havoc on our economy. But we got to start treating and have solutions if we quit treating symptoms. There's no cure for the common cold. All you do is prolong it. The only cure for the Mexican situation is for Mexico to have a good form of government and elect their people and, and to have a good economy where they want to stay home. I believe you see most of them move back home. That's what they want. Tell me, Iraqi refugees are in the United States, 
and then they'd go back home after the war. Uh, then they'd been here for 10, 20, 30 years, but then they have an opportunity to live under a constitutional government. They go back home because they love their homeland. And as well, they should. And that's part of the problem that everyone that uh, is on the side of the fence really doesn't seem to get. They're not coming here to become Americans. Right. So there's really not a, a need to offer a path to citizenship. Most of them don't want it. And yeah. it's a further insult to all the people who've taken the time and the effort to come here legally. I, again, it absolutely kills me. I get to the point, especially here recently with a couple of folks, and I won't name them on air because they're probably listening or they'll catch the podcast, but I have had one-on-one conversations with a couple of folks, and I just want to shake them <laughs> because they keep talking. Just keep talking about how it's the humanitarian thing to do when, in truth, no conservative is against immigration. We're against not having control over who, how, when, and why people are crossing our borders. Right. That's it. We want to know who's coming because guess what? There are plenty of people from Middle Eastern countries crossing our southern border. I don't think they're coming for the scenic view of uh, the Space Needle. Right. <laughs> right. At any rate. I I definitely with the last few minutes here, and we can run a little long if you want to. I've got about a a five-minute buffer. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to talk about this. This is something that they're really starting to talk about now. It may finally be something that the left and the right can kind of get together on uh, for different reasons. Uh, But uh, the militarization of the police, uh, this has become a major topic because of what's been happening in Ferguson this past week, but uh, we've been seeing it for a while. The build-up, there's a quote that I saw that's actually from Battlestar Galactica, the sci-fi, but it's very appropriate. Uh, The leader, uh, Commander Adama, later Admiral Adama, makes a statement that uh, the police and the military can't be the same because the military fight the enemy of the state, and the police serve and protect the people. When the military become the police, the enemy tends to become the people. Uh, right. What we need, do we need to be overly concerned about it? Is this? I know for a lot of the uh, more hard right Tea Party type folks that tend to listen to the show, and uh, I love you guys for listening, by the way. Uh, this has been a big deal on their radar for a long time now. Uh, what's your take on it? Uh, should we make moves to, to move away from it? What are your feelings on that? Yeah, it, it's it's becoming more and more and more problematic. I understand how a police officer may feel when he's out there walking the beats, uh, bad parts of town. I, I, you know, really, I can't imagine uh, the the. The fear and all the possibilities, the thoughts that go through your mind. You want to be prepared. You want to be protected. Uh, and the situation that happened in Ferguson. If I'm working for the police department, you know, I want to call in sick today. They say, "Hey, we got to roll up in the middle of this riot." Uh, so it, it's a bad situation. But our police and serve, they're not a defense force. 
And, you know, I live in Greenbrier, Tennessee, uh, up in Robertson County. Uh, and I, I, I work in a lot of these small towns and counties across the state, and I see these heavily armed equipment showing up at police departments provided by the Department of Homeland Security. You know, they look like they rolled straight out of Iraq and Afghanistan. What what are those for? What are we doing? And I've got to the point, Tim, that I despise seeing an unmarked police car. You're supposed to protect right. and serve. I need to know, hey, there's a police car over there, and if I need help, that person can provide it to me. But more and more of them are completely unmarked. Now, granted, if it's a Chevy Impala around here or a Dodge Charger, odds are it's a cop. But, you know, they haven't quite, uh, you know, just using any old car they can find. They they buy these in fleets. But I've, I've, right. I've really got a problem with what our police force, and a lot of them are military guys, and, and, and everybody knows I love our military, and I've got uh, uh, some great hopes, things that we can do for our military to make our military stronger, better, and honor our military. Some of these guys come home straight from the war zone, they join the police department, and they've never made the disconnect that they're not in Afghanistan anymore. There's not a guy standing on the corner here in Robertson County ready to slip an IED up under your car, okay? It's okay. Right. We are we're your friends, we're your neighbors. And uh, I, I had an incident here when I moved to Robertson County last fall. The day I moved in, I was hauling a mattress in my truck, had my three boys with me, and I, I was speeding. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was speeding on a backcountry road. Uh, like I said, it was day one <laughs> that we moved in. And uh, the officer came, and I showed him my, my carry permit, and he asked me if I had a weapon on me, and I said I did. And my, my, I was wearing a pair of shorts. I said, They're, it's in my pocket. And I, I even told him, I said, officer's not even around chambered. And uh, he got me out of the truck. He frisked me. He took my gun, and he tried to handcuff me. And I said, what are we doing here? He said, you have an illegal illegal weapon on you. I said, no, sir. No, sir. I gave you my uh, permit. He said, as far as I'm concerned, that permit is illegal. It's fake. I said, well, it's just like my driver's license that you also have issued by the same state. No, it's not fake. And uh, he called for backup. <laughs> my son called my wife because I thought he was arresting me. And my son called my right. wife. And uh, the officer said, if anybody shows up here, I'm taking everybody to jail, your wife, your kids, everybody's going to jail. And uh, I said, well, he's on the phone with his mother right now. And he went to the passenger door of my vehicle, opened it up, and told my son to get off the phone. My three boys are in the truck crying because they see Dad get handcuffed and arrested, and the cop comes and threatens them not to be on the phone. Uh, so now, well, I, I was uh, you know, I actually crossed over into another town. So the other police department showed up and defused the situation. And uh, the cops said, "I said you're violating my constitutional rights." He said, "I know I am." And when he gave me my <laughs> gun back, he had completely disassembled it, and he said, "Don't you dare put this gun back together until I am out of your sight." Mm. That guy doesn't need to be a police officer. You're right. Uh, yeah, I 
I probably, unfortunately, would not have been able to hold my tongue. I would have probably asked something real smart-alecky like, uh, how are my kids supposed to get home if their mom can't show up? <laughs> right. Well, my wife my uh, wife showed up. I'm like, keep going. He's going to arrest you. Keep going. <laughs> but uh, we got away with it. I had to pay a speeding fine, which was fair enough because I was. But uh, he, he, he told us, he said, I'm not going to let anybody have a weapon at my traffic stop. It's crazy, man. I'm legally carrying this. But, yeah, you know, it's a problem. All right. It is, and, you know, I think the biggest problem is that we've really got to take a closer look at who our police officers are. I I, uh, I have police officers that do unquestionably one of the toughest jobs there is to do on the planet. Most of them, I think, are good cops. Yes, absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, you do get you do get a few bad ones here and there that get a little. I don't know if it's just a power trip or if they're still uh, suffering from a little post traumatic syndrome from their military service because a lot of them have spent time. But either way, uh, we do need to take a closer look because they need to be held to a higher standard. And if they're not capable of meeting that standard, it's understandable if you're in a situation. But if you can't meet that standard then you need to step down and let somebody else can. Uh, one more time real quick before I let you go, go ahead and throw out your website, your contact information, and uh, we'll, we'll let shoot you get me that an done email. real quick. You shoot me an email at danny at page4tn.com. The website, of course, is page4tn.com. We're, uh, we have a like page and a friend page on uh, Facebook. Uh, we're on Twitter at page4tn.com. Uh, you know, if you've got 10 or 20 extra bucks, help us out. Uh, call us if you want to volunteer. Right there at the top of the website, it says Get Involved. There's a, a media tab at the top of the website. You'll hear podcasts, pictures, videos, articles. Like, there's just so much information on that website. Uh, you can't hardly not know who I am or what I'm about. But we need, we need to get this done. Uh, Liberty is at stake. Uh, Lamar Alexander, we know how he votes, we know who he is, we know what he's about, he's the grandfather of Common Core, he's pushing amnesty, we have got to beat Lamar Alexander, the kingpin must be beat this fall, and I need your help, pageforTN.com, I really appreciate this opportunity, Tim, I thank you so much. All right, I appreciate you coming on, and hopefully we'll see you at least one more time before uh, the actual election. Uh, best of luck to good. you, and you have my support, sir. Thank you very much. All right, and good. God bless. You guys have a great day. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. I, I got to tell you, uh, he's got my support at this point. Uh, now, patiently, having waited on the line for a few minutes, I want to welcome our next guest, Dr. Sharon Schutz. Uh, how are you today, Sharon? I'm doing just fine, Tim. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, sorry about the little bit of overlap there onto your time, uh, but uh, no problem. Uh, I I had a feeling you'd understand. Uh, first of all, <laughs> yeah. I want to I want to say thank you for coming on the show again. You are without doubt one of my favorite guests, uh, as probably evidenced by how often you're on. <laughs> well, uh, I enjoy being on the show. show. It's- Oh, go ahead. Um, I was going to say, I enjoy being on your show. Um, 
I've not been on radio in a while. We've had a lot of things happen, and and uh, so it's nice to be back. It's nice to be involved and in working at Lady Patriots and doing all the things that I love doing so much. And I appreciate you calling and asking me, contacting me. Uh, well, you know, I, like I was saying, I've kind of been away from it for a little while myself, and I couldn't think of two people I would rather have on under the circumstances for my first show back over here than you and Danny. Uh, mm-hmm. While we're on the topic, you know, we really haven't spoken a whole lot. You've had a lot of stuff going on in your personal life, had a little bit mm-hmm. of stuff going on in mine. It doesn't quite compare to everything you had going on, but I am glad to see you back in the fight. I had seen you writing more and more articles over at Lady Patriots. How are things going at the website? Oh, they're going great. Um, I was out for several months with we had um I lost my brother and then three days later I lost my sister and then my husband got sick and had to have surgery and, and uh then I broke my arm and was in a cast that I couldn't move my I couldn't turn, I couldn't do anything. So for about four months I was just totally, totally out of it. And uh during that time things slowed down a lot. But uh, we had a couple of people that were continually working things and, and were very helpful, but um, they weren't me. And, uh, you know, I, I just I, I work it 24-7 if I need to. And I've been working uh, with Lady Patriots and started doing a lot more writing um, and uh, gotten a lot more involved building more websites and getting things back together. And uh, I'm excited. I'm just I'm feeling really good. The numbers are coming up, and, and uh, I'm just really excited what's happening. Well, I know I'm very glad to hear that. I know every other person that has become a fan of the Lady Patriot website must be as well. I've noticed you've revamped the site a little bit. Uh, I think the uh, writing has uh, taken an uptick, and your guys' uh, level of coverage has uh, also, uh, it appears to have improved a great deal, I think, just mm-hmm. recently. Uh, it, it has. Uh, we, Like I said, when I was out for that time period, there was uh, very little um, different news. It was more of uh, of opinion stuff, and uh, things weren't covered like they are now. I, I try to make sure that, you know, we cover the main issues. We miss a lot, but I, I try to, you know, get more involved in different areas now that I'm writing and uh, gotten back involved again. And so it's uh, definitely a lot more sources, a lot more information, uh, a lot more news, and uh, a lot more people. There's a lot, of, you know, we, we we lost a lot of followers. Uh, I say a lot. To me, you know, you lose, we lost about 400 people. Uh, at a, and, I, you know, on Facebook, that's when you have you know, 80, almost 82,000 people. That doesn't seem like a lot, but it does when you realize that you lost those followers. You know, they're not, I mean, they left. And uh, and but they're coming back, and that's wonderful. Our numbers are growing again, and it's exciting to to see and to be part of that again. Right. Well, you know, I, I don't think there's any question that right now is quite possibly the most important time to be back into the fight. And I'm for one glad to see you back in it. Uh, and yeah, you're right. It it is kind of disheartening. I saw a lot of. Uh, Visits uh, to my website and uh, my Facebook page kind of drop off. People stopped paying quite as much attention as the show went away. 
but it seems like since I've been back, like I said, I started a little bit over at Spreaker again, kind of, and a little inconsistently, but it seems like people are coming back a lot faster. And mm-hmm. there's a lot more new people, too. So obviously more people are paying attention than before, and I think that's a great opportunity. But right. uh, that that in and of itself is a victory, and we're glad to have you back in the fight. Uh, me speaking for all conservatives everywhere, even the ones that don't know it yet, they will be glad once they know what's going on. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. you, uh, for the process of writing one of your more recent articles, actually went to the border, and that was the starting point that I wanted to jump on with, with you. Because okay. actually people on the ground seeing what's going on at the border, uh, mm-hmm. that, you're not hearing those stories a whole lot. You're just not. So right. what did you see? What did you see while you were there? Well, first let me explain um, the circumstances. My husband was born and raised in South Furious, Texas. Uh, I've been there many times through the year. Uh, his family actually was part of founding the town. His uh, great aunt, we called her, everybody that knows her, called her Tante Shucks, um, was the uh, school teacher from the time she was 14 years old in their one-room schoolhouse back in the uh, late 1800s and 19, early 1900s. And uh, she died in the 80s, and, and she was just, she was a, you know, she wrote the history of the town. She was one of the founders. And, uh, and so we were discussing it. Michael still got, you know, of course, most of his family is still in that area. And uh, we were discussing South Furious, and I'm like, why don't we go there? Because, you know, it's home. And and so we went, and uh, we called before we went. We made arrangements to meet with one of the ranchers. And uh, we tried to get a hold of uh, Michael Dickers, uh, who has done a lot of publicity and stuff, but we kept missing each other, and we had to leave before we could get together. But um, anyway, we're going to be going back, at the, I think, at the end of this month or the first part of next month. There's a meeting going to be taking place, and we've been invited to that. But um, we went there and met with this rancher, and we met with the, we went to the local newspaper um, and talked to them. And then uh, they suggested that we talk to the, one of the justices of the peace, a, a precinct, uh, I think precinct two, I'm not sure. But, uh, and so we went and we sat down with her, and she uh, gave us, um, of course, uh, the name and number for the, uh, the chief deputy sheriff there, and uh, Benny Martinez. And we went and sat down with him. And like, uh, I tell you, th- those were the most gracious people that I've ever met. I mean, they were wonderful. And the one thing that we saw that, that really broke our heart, like I said, we've been there many times for funerals, for, you know, to visit my husband's parents, uh, to visit the family, but I've never seen South Furious like it is now. There is such a depression, such a, a tremendous depression over that area. And, and it's like, you know, they're just stuck. And what's happening is, in uh, the people coming across the border at McAllen and down along the border, everybody has to funnel through Brooks County because that's where 17 miles from South Furious and to the south is where they have a border patrol station. So to avoid the border patrol station, the, the coyotes drop the people off in the edge of the desert and they walk 30 miles around that border patrol station past South Furious and then they're supposed to be picked up on the other side. 
But what's happening is these people are getting out in the desert with a limited amount of water, a limited amount of resources. They get lost. They, they walk around out in the, in the heat. Um, they start getting weak. And when the, when the weaker ones get weak, the others leave them because they're in groups of 20 or 30. And uh, so they're constantly finding bodies out there. And so anyway, um, we sat down with the, uh, the Justice of the Peace, and she, was, she showed us autopsy reports of, of people and children, and, and it was just it was heartbreaking because these people are, are coming into the country, and they, they're anticipating this wonderful life they're going to have. And then they get out in that desert, and, and so many of them die. But the problem that, that Falfurius is facing and I'm, I, my heart just is broken for them as a, as a county. They have to pay for everything involved with finding these bodies, getting them into the place where they, uh, the funeral home, getting them autopsy. They have to pay all of the fees. But because they're not a border county and they're in, inland from the border somewhat, they, uh, the federal government says that they don't need any help financially. So they are paying $2,300 per body they find out of their own pocket. Well, it's a small county, and they don't have any money. And so they're having to actually dig into everything. They're, they've, they've taken pay cuts. They've lost their, their medical insurance. The, uh, they've lost their – they can't afford all the deputies. They, they've had to cut back on staff. Now they, you know, they have to even clean their own offices and empty their trash and clean their own toilets in there because they can't afford – the niceties that they could afford a couple of years ago before this started because every dollar they get has to go into taking care of these dead bodies and they have to pay for it. That just broke my heart because, you know, I know it just, it just doesn't make sense. And they don't see yeah, it this, this is definitely a story that you're not hearing. Oh, okay. This is a story you're definitely not hearing being reported in the media. In fact, the border is kind of almost – Moved away from what's going on at the border, and right. the media is trying to move away from what's going on between Israel and Hamas. Everybody wants, at least our media, wants to pivot towards Ferguson because again, this advances at least at the moment mm-hmm. uh, their effort to try and put forth this notion that we're a racist nation, which we all know is a bunch of hooey. Right. Uh, there are racist people in the country, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there institutional racism going on? I don't believe that to be the case in most situations. Can't swear to it <laughs> as far as each individual place where I'm nowhere near. But, uh, I mean, people aren't talking about what's still going on there, and they certainly haven't been uh, focused on the impact of the people living in those border towns and in those counties that are nearby that are facing this. Mm-hmm. How is it that we're not hearing these stories more? Why? What? Why don't we have more media covering that aspect? Because I think this goes to the true American spirit. We want to be, uh, you know, we want to be very charitable. It's in our nature. Mm-hmm. I think it's ingrained in our DNA. Quite honestly, it is. I, I know people. I know people personally who've given more than they really could afford to give to somebody just because mm-hmm. they saw they were in worse shape than they were. Right. So we're a very gracious and altruistic society. Uh, mm-hmm. 
I guess let's let's pivot a little bit because you know that it's mind-boggling to me that we're not hearing these stories except from just a few little outlets here and there. If right. you're not already reading the Lady Patriots, you probably hadn't heard that, but there's there may be somebody else that's covering it, but I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. So I know I, some of the more obscure places on the web I occasionally check. I, by now, I would have thought I would have. Uh, let's pivot a little right. bit. Of course, uh, Governor Perry oh, yeah. has decided to move. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and then one of the, the things that, that I run into is that um, people don't read it at uh, Breitbart, and they don't read it at CNN, or they don't read it at Yahoo News, so therefore it doesn't exist. And, you know, the right. thing is, like in this case, um, now I didn't have anybody come against what I wrote because I was there, but, uh, you know, that's one of the problems that you run into is um, you, you go out, you find your sources, you you know, you, you get your, your material, uh, you have your, your contacts who are very, very, um, you know, good contacts. And, uh, and then because you're not coming from one of these, then, you know, people question it. And so um, I, I see that a lot. Now, in Lady Patriots, we have a reputation for truth. And, and I'm, I'm a sticker when it comes to truth. Um, I don't there's, – there's websites out there that will just grab any story off the web and, re- and repeat it without checking right. into it. And I won't do that. I'm, I'm going to find – a lot of times what I'll do is I'll find a source, and, and, you know, all these websites have the same story, and you go back, and it all comes from one source. And, uh, you know, and sometimes right. it's even satire sites. And so you have to be very careful. But um, I do know that there are some that, you know, I know that uh, Breitbart did a recent article. In fact, it came out the same day that I wrote my article. Uh, or the day before, I think, because um, someone was there that had done an article. And in fact, I saw in the chat room somebody mentioned the, the deputy that made $11 an hour. You know, he was actually there, and he did the story, and it was a great story. Uh, I think it was Breitbart. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, no, 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 it was, I think, the Washington Post. It was the Washington Post. It was an excellent story. And, uh, but they were there. And there's not a lot of people that are actually traveling down there to find out what's going on. And so they don't, you know, right. they're just repeating what they hear, you know, written in the, on the web somewhere. All right. And uh, Lady Michelle in the chat room, as a matter of fact, uh, just did a point story along this line as well. And I mm-hmm. would like to go ahead and take the opportunity to uh, point out that Lady Michelle is uh, one of our most interaction. Uh, um, when it comes to the show and in the chat room. Hello? Tim? You're, you're breaking up. Uh, can you I'm hear on me? a cell phone. I'm sorry. All right. All right. Uh, all right. But what I was saying is that I always appreciate uh, her activity in the chat room, and I am right now posting mm-hmm. the link to that to the Tap into the Truth Facebook page. So anybody who catches this on the podcast can look it up later. And again, thanks, Lady Michelle, for that. In, in your estimation, as far as uh, as far as what's going on with Governor Rick Perry, do you think that his reaction uh, to the uh, border crisis and the lack of the federal government has it been appropriate? I think he's done a very good job. I'm, I, you know, I don't always agree with everything that he does and says, and but he's in. Excuse me, but in in this case, in this instance, 
he is taking the lead in a very important issue, and he's doing what he can. At least I hope he's doing what he can. But he's doing, you know, he's he's got the um, the um, soldiers there. He's got, you know, he's got things that, in fact, I saw a deal the other day. But I think it was the lieutenant governor announced that they had had shut down almost completely a 60-mile stretch of the border where people were constantly coming across, and that really helped a lot. But uh, he's doing a good job, and I think that's why they're coming against him, because he is doing a good job. He's the only governor on the border who's actually trying to do something. So they have to come against him some way and get his focus off and make him fight a separate front. We're we're dealing with a war here, Tim. We are in a war. Right now, it's a war for the minds and hearts, and it's it's a war of ideas and a war of words. And the the thing is, they don't care if what they bring out, like this district attorney, they don't care if it's true or if it makes sense. And ultimately, they know that he's going to win this. However, it's going to dissipate his energies and his focus, and that's ultimately what they're wanting. If they can get him to fret or focus or, you know, deal with this issue, then he's not going to have as much energy for other places and other things. Is that simple? Well, you know, I, I can I, I can tell you this much. It's straight out of the uh, playbook. We've seen him do it before. Uh, the same kind of attacks made against Sarah Palin that made her decide to resign the governorship in uh, Alaska because she didn't want to continue to spend the taxpayers' money to fight that fight. Uh what ultimately comes down here, though, is you do have somebody who's standing up for Texas and who right. is under constitutional authority mm-hmm. stepping up and doing what the federal government refuses to do. But yeah. we continue to keep hearing these statements about how it's not the humanitarian thing to do. We have to take care of these kids and all other stuff. And, yeah, I've been trying to make the point myself that I think it's far more humanitarian given the rate it which the innocents that are involved with trying to cross these borders are being sent here first and foremost. Mm-hmm. They're not coming of their own accord. All the actual minors, somebody's sending them here, and somebody's paying for that. But right. it would be far more humane if we sent the message strong, firm, once and for all that there's no more crossing. Don't mm-hmm. send your children here. Right. Now – once they're here, do we have a certain responsibility to take care of them? Uh, yeah, I'd say that we probably do. Mm-hmm. But that should be to the extent of making sure that they're well enough to travel and then sending them back home. There exactly. should be no talk about a – there should be absolutely no discussion about these kids getting to stay here long term. Mm-hmm. And it's just mind-boggling to me. The fact that people don't seem to understand that people are paying a price for this. We saw the articles this past week in the Atlanta school system suddenly overwhelmed with these Mm -hmm. children uh, that are trying to be registered in the classes. And these little things like that that nobody on the left seems to understand is designed Mm -hmm. to collapse our system. Exactly. I mean – and there's anyway, more to it than just gonna... collapsing our system, and there's there's a lot more to it. Um, one thing, the school districts are not allowed to know ahead of time how many children are going to be coming to their schools. 
the um right. the whole thing is and of course everybody is you know is focused on the they're getting democratic votes thing and truly they are we know that they're they're going to try to make them legal they're giving them all of our money they're they're taking our resources you know while we have home we have vets that are that are homeless we have people that are not being taken care of that are being abused and we're giving all that to them that's horrible but also and this is something that that you know, concerns me very much. I have pictures, and I've seen pictures and, and, and whatever of, of people that have come across Americans, uh, Border Patrol agents, who have gotten sick in de- when dealing with these children. I have pictures of a Border Patrol agent that literally his, his entire body is almost eaten up. He's, he's just one big scale. His hands and arms are just, you know, just, you can't tell it except for the shape that it's human. And, uh, and and these things are happening everywhere. And the diseases that are being brought across the border are being shoved, not just on the border, but they're rushing these people into the United States, spreading them out everywhere, and getting these diseases all over the United States. Now, ultimately, in the end, it's going to be catastrophic. And, and you know, that might take – I'll tell you what, I've got a really cool tinfoil hat and my husband made me. I don't have it here. It's at my office. But, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just say I'm wearing it. But the thing is, I did a story the other day on the Ebola um, centers where they're, they're putting the um, um, Ebola centers at throughout the United States. And you take the two mm-hmm. maps, the map of where they're sending the, the people and where the Ebola centers are, and you lay one map on top of the other, and they match. Now, the thing is, I hear people say the Ebola thing is is just a, a you know a political tool that it's you know just another scare tactic and and whatever and possibly it is I hope it is I hope that's what it is. However, Sorry. we have diseases coming into our our country that have been eradicated for for, for decades and generations and they're back and they're back with such a force and a fierceness that it's just unbelievable. And you know, I was I, I have a website that I go to every day, and I, I read some of the, the stuff they have, and I don't pay attention to all of it. But one one doctor wrote in, and, and he said, you know, he said, no, I'm sorry, he was a dentist, and he said, uh, he's in California, <clears throat> and he said, I decided, that, you know, with all this talk about Ebola and all this stuff, he said, I decided to go ahead and get some extra uh, saline solution. And, you know, get some supplies and put back because you never know when you're going to be dealing with something. And so he, he made an order for saline solution. Now, he was told by the company that he always ordered his saline solution from that there is none available and that there won't be any available for a very long time. And he's like, why? And they said, we don't know. It just dried up. It's gone. So they can't get – now, in the saline solution is the very thing that they use to, to hydrate patients with right and so and it's, it's weird now it's, it's things it's just all these little things just don't add up or they add up to something very seriously wrong so i don't know yeah, I, I have, maybe maybe it's tinfoil hat but i i do believe that there's a sinister <laughs> move afoot well it certainly is suspicious uh, before addressing the Ebola stuff, though, I did want to touch on the fact that uh, Lady Michelle in the uh, chat room uh, said that she starts back to work on this coming Friday, and she works in the school system, and uh, her uh, superintendent won't answer any of 
her questions about medical screening, immunizations, and uh, even if they're going to see who can prove that they're American citizens or not. Now, I get American citizens considering that's part of the left and how they like to activate, but when it comes to the fact that we have to prove immunizations for our children before we can drop them off and leave them in public schools, Mm -hmm. why shouldn't this information be available? Uh, but right. yeah, I mean there are lots of questions. I mean the the saline solution. I would not think that would be even difficult to manufacture, even if they were running low. So you know, uh, I wouldn't either. In fact, I talked to my husband about it, and I said it's just salt water. I mean, you know, with good things in it, and it just doesn't make sense to me. But it's not available according to this dentist. And uh, hmm. and it, you've got to have saline solution for any kind of uh, IV medicine. And uh, and I know that they say that. The the uh, you know hydration is the only thing you can really do for an Ebola patient. So, uh, right. and that's the only source that I've heard this from. You know, it could be that this dentist just you know got it wrong. I don't know. But the thing is, the the whole thing is just as far as I'm I I know it just doesn't make sense. And the the way that uh, okay, it doesn't make sense in you know in a normal logical world. But the world that we live in now, Tim, is not normal and it's not logical. It changed back in 2008, and it went crazy. And so, you know, what's what's good is bad. What's bad is good. What's you know, what's ugly is beautiful. What's beautiful is ugly. Uh, what's right is wrong. What's wrong is right. So everything has changed so much that, you know, it just it. When we say something, it sounds so ludicrous to most people who are not plugged in. That you know, it just it sounds like they're like, where did you get that? And you know, and the the truth is, we have so many people in America that are still not plugged in, that are not listening. That they they go to CNN or, or MSNBC and and you know even Fox, and they get their news from there, and you know, and they don't they don't realize what is actually happening in America. And when you say something to them, or or you you know, you see their eyes roll, you know. <laughs> And, you know, you're like, oh, right. it's, it's awful. So we never right. know. I mean, we, we hear these things, and and uh, we just never know. And ultimately, time is the only thing that, will you know, will, will prove, it, prove it out, time. Right. Well, speaking of the way the media goes and how people are paying attention, uh, I kind of talked a little bit with Danny earlier about ISIS and how mm-hmm. most people don't realize – Exactly how far their uh, their base of operations has extended, and how they've actually become a genuine army at this point mm-hmm. in the uh, Middle East. Uh, I know you guys over there have been writing about this as well. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but isn't ISIS really kind of a civil war between Sunni and Shia? Uh, they're kind of fighting over uh, the Sunni and the Shia, a way of deciding who's going to be in charge of the caliphate. And they're just kind of right now starting with the Christians. They kind of pick them off so there's nobody to stand up with the other side. You know, Tim, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I, I I know that, that ISIS is uh, has a lot of American support. There are, a, you know, a lot of people in a um, – the whole the whole thing when you when you look at the Middle East 
cauldron <laughs> and the whole mix yeah. um basically they're all the same i mean in all honesty they they, they might fight each other for a while but they're all going to turn their guns on us they're all going to turn their guns on israel you know and and right now i know that you know that, that israel has support from some of the other nations because they know that once this once this um uh, isis and and you know the muslim brotherhood and you know whatever uh once they um when whatever they're doing now that they're going to turn on them, but um, I don't know. I, I'm just uh, at this point. We I, I watch our government. I watch you know we we look at our our, our state department. We look at our our entire federal government, and it is full of Muslim Brotherhood members. Um, you know, I mean the whole our whole nation has become Muslim ruled, and you know, and in fact. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day. There's a young lady that lives here in, in, in the town that I live in, and uh, she was raised Muslim. Uh, she was um, when she was 18. She was married to a uh, an, a man. Um, oh, I'm not sure where uh, Pakistan maybe. Anyway, she she was from India, and her father was from Iran, and her mother was from, her mother was from Iran. Her father was from India, and so she you know came to the United States. She was raised in Venezuela. She came to the United States and she was uh, she was had an arranged marriage. She was married to this man for 17 years. He was uh, Islamic. Uh, she was involved with his family, had six children, and finally she was able to to leave him, get away, and now she's Christian. Wonderful, wonderful girl. We had a wonderful talk, and I you know I, I'm gonna be putting an article out and some videos. I'm gonna be interviewing her and doing some really cool things with it. But um, one of the things we discussed, you know, and I asked her, I said, you know, is there such a thing as a real moderate Muslim? And she said, no. Mm-hmm. And I said, why is that? She said, the thing about moderate Muslims is that they still follow the Koran. And the thing is, Tim, moderate Muslims are only here changing our laws to theirs. They put a suit on, they get a law degree. And they go into the court and they change our laws. They they follow our laws, but they don't lock our laws, and they want to change them. That's not moderate. That's just a different arm of the of the army, as far as I'm concerned. And I know that sounds awful. And and believe me, I, there's wonderful wonderful Muslims. There are. However, the majority of them, whether they're moderate or whether they're they're radical, and the majority are are are, are moderate. Their goal is ultimately Islam and Islam in America. Yeah. So where do you do it? It typically seems to be that the pattern wherever uh, Muslims are to is they are moderate until they have sufficient numbers. Then they become more and more vocal. Then they start demanding compliance with Sharia. And then those mm-hmm. demands get louder. I mean, we've seen it even in talking about just ISIS itself, which is a tremendous threat uh, right now. And you know, they they're very violent. I don't think we have seen these kind of tactics since the days of Genghis Khan. They're not mm-hmm. just going around killing Christians and other non-Muslims. They are literally doing this in the most horrific ways and making it as visible as possible, posting their 12-year-old kids holding up decapitated heads uh, right. on Twitter. And it's 
they're telling us. Hey, Seattle, hope you're safe. Sleep night, sleep tight tonight. Uh, we're coming to you. And then we see ISIS flags flying on the front porches in New Jersey and in California. And you mm-hmm. see somebody hang one on the fence at the White House, although uh, I think it's a little late for them to try to bring the caliphate there, quite honestly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. We uh, – we're living in very dangerous times, and we need to be prepared. I mean, I, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm never doing enough to stand with the Christians uh, in the regions that are currently being targeted by ISIS because these people are dying because they're refusing to convert. Right. And that's Absolutely. what we have to keep in mind. We've mm-hmm. seen this past week where the young boy of a – pastor of a Christian church in northern Iraq had his son cut in half in front of him. Right. These people are brutal butchers who want nothing more than to terrify everyone that they're coming so no one will stand opposed. Mm -hmm. And when I hear one of these people say that uh, they're coming to destroy all that will stand against Islam, well then I, I want it made very clear that they need to know that my house has a target. Because we here will stand opposed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you know, when I think about that, my, my granddaughters, I have five beautiful granddaughters and five wonderful grandsons. And when I think about my granddaughters having to live in a world ruled by that philosophy and that system, it makes me go, no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You know, the thing is, America is in serious, serious trouble, Kim. They're coming in through the borders. I know that, uh, that the, um, the MS-13 gangs in Mexico are paid $50,000 a head, a person, to bring terrorists across the border and get them into the United States safely. And they're coming in by the droves. What we're seeing on the cameras, on the television, is these poor little children who have blisters on their feet. And, you know, and that's all we're seeing. But what we're not seeing right. is the other 70% or, or 75% or whatever that are adults. What they're doing, Kim, is they're taking adults, and an adult will grab a child's hand and say, I'm your new papa. I'm your new mama. And they'll walk across, and they'll get across the border, and then this is mama and daddy, and, and, you know, and then that person becomes part of this new amnesty that's not really supposed to be happening. And, uh, and we're, we're allowing anybody and everybody with no papers. I just recently did an article. I, had a, uh, I was contacted by uh, Saad Kelly. She, uh, her, her father was, um, was put in prison. I'm sorry. Her father was put in prison in um, for life, for murder, I think it was in February where he, when he was um, sentenced, and his brothers too. And uh, what, what they are, they're a, a family from Mexico that have um, a big enterprise across the United States, I think like uh, 33 states and 53 major cities in the United States where they, they do documentation for um, illegals. They, you know, for $200 or $300, they'll give you a fake driver's license, a fake birth certificate, a utility bills, green card, 
everything you need to become an American and be in dance. And the thing about these fake documents is that they are so good because they steal equipment and stuff from the state, um, you know, the highway departments and different places where they make the driver's license and they do all this. They, they get their software. They have contacts into every place. They have foot soldiers all over, and you can find them anywhere in any town that, that's got a strip mall that, uh, and, and a photo shop, a photo store in it. You're going to probably find that it's the front for one of these organizations. Anyway, she contacted me, and she had, um, in, uh, when she was 21, she helped the government, um, the um, Border Patrol, she helped uh, the FBI, I think, and, and two or three different of the uh, alphabet suits, um, Homeland Security. She helped them build a case against her family who was doing this. I mean, we're talking a multimillion-dollar-a-year business. And she contacted me the other day, and she said, you know, she told me who she was. I checked into her. She's very real, very legitimate. Uh, she's been uh, interviewed on, you know, on every major media for years. And uh, she was telling me that the next generation, her cousins, are now running the business. And it's bigger and it's meaner and it's deadlier. And she was telling me what they're doing through the border. And it's, it's, it's scary, Tim. It's very scary. And I, I wrote an article on, on Lady Patriots, and uh, you can find it. Uh, there and you know on under my name, but um, anyway, it's really scary what's going on with this. And and this new new generation has uh, they they use drones at the border, and what they do and these drones have been also weaponized. But what they do is they take these drones and they fly them, and so they know where the border patrol's at, and so they know where it's safe to, right. to get these terrorists across. And then they give them the paperwork, and they get them, you know, for $300, they got all the paperwork they need to be blended in and be an American citizen. And the whole thing about this paperwork, and this is what, they, what the story was that they told me, this family is working with the Obama administration to provide illegal documents because when amnesty is, is called for and, and becomes law, they're going to backdate it and say, okay, everybody who's been here for, say, five years or however many uh, they can stay, but everybody else has to go. Well, what they're doing is for those that have been, you know, more recent, they're going to provide illegal documents, and the federal government is involved with this. And so, you know, it's, it's really frightening what's coming into our nation and what our government is bringing into our nation, and, you know, and they have no concern, uh, of, of course, at all for the citizens. We're just uh, the problem, and that's basically what they see us as is the problem. So we got a, right. we got some rocky road ahead of us. Do of you, uh, based on everything that you're saying, do you think that as soon as all of the uh, primary elections are done, or are we going to have to wait till after November? Uh, they're just going to move and go ahead and push amnesty through, regardless. Is that coming mm-hmm. without question, or is there a chance that that gets stopped? What do you, based on what you've seen, what do you think? I think amnesty's coming. We're not going to be able to stop it. But I I would personally, I would question them making a major move before uh, the uh, November election because there's too many people that will be affected, too many Democrats that will will get, you know, a backlash. And they don't want that. Now, I think at this point Obama really doesn't care a whole lot. He's totally lost it. Obama's, you know, he's like living in, in this weird, warped world. And uh, but the problem is there's a lot of Democrats out there that are that are just as adamant against an immediate 
uh, executive order, which, by the way, is not legal. Uh, but anyway, right. I, I I feel like it would probably be logical that they would wait until after the November election, but who knows? You just never know what they're going to pull out of their head. That's true. I, I mean, it really comes down to me. I'm not so convinced anymore that Obama cares about the election cycle, per se. Mm-hmm. But there's uh, a lot of Democrats out there that would like to get reelected that wouldn't. Ultimately, the the issue is going to come down to what happens with the American public. What does it take to awaken them? I mean, I see signs here and there that reasons to be hopeful that it's happening even amongst communities that previously have not wanted to be awake. You know, the facts have been mm-hmm. right in front of them, but they intentionally look the other way right. because either it's just what's easiest or convenient, or they still want to hang on. Notion that somebody is actually trying to do something for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a very you know, scary thought. Uh, most ahead. of us can remember. Most of us can remember our turning point. It's kind of like when, when you got saved. You know, as a Christian, most of us who got saved yeah. as adults can remember the day, the hour, the minute, exactly the circumstances, and describe it in detail. That's what's happening in in with people who wake up. You know, it might be a slow process, but it's a process. I started waking up, you know, in like 2008. Uh, it was 2010 before I really started seeing what was going on and started, you know, doing stuff. Uh, and then it was actually 2013 before I started finding my voice. But uh, the thing is, what happens is when someone hears this reality that, that's not comfortable to them, they don't want to hear it because that means change. Truth means change, and if you if you hear the truth and accept the truth and believe the truth, then you have to act on that truth. If nothing else, but change what you watch, what you read, what you do, who you hang out with, and people don't want to change because it's uncomfortable. And it won't be comfortable when they have to. Unfortunately, most people, and, and you ask about, you know, people changing, people uh, waking up. I honestly believe it's just like human nature, and that's, I'm a, I, have a, I have a Ph.D. in human nature. And in human nature, Kim, we are, we're not normally going to jump on major change, and we're you know, not going to accept things like, um, real easily. And, and the thing is, or, or most of us, but what's going to happen, what has happened in just about every culture that's ever had this kind of uh, change take over in incrementally like we are. Um, the people don't wake up. Many do. Many fight. Many eventually die. Do not wake up until the trucks drive up on their street and start pulling out of their homes. And that's when they say, why didn't you say something? Why didn't somebody do something? Well, people like you and I have been. But that's what's going to happen in America, I'm afraid. Now, I could be wrong, and I hope I'm wrong. I would, I would give anything to be wrong. I, I, you know, I would love to see major change and wonderful things happen. But let me tell you something. Our nation is split. We're divided. We're divided more now than we've been divided ever. Even in the Civil War, we weren't divided like we are now. And the problem that I see is that tomorrow, if we voted in uh, another Ronald Reagan, and we replaced the Senate, and we replaced Congress with uh, conservatives who, who thought and believed in America, 
we would still have 50% out there who will fight it. And the problem is going to be, it's gotten to the point now, years ago they could, they could you know, placate whichever side was upset. You know, when Bush was in office, everybody placated the liberals. Uh, the liberals made all the, the nasty memes and the nasty uh, accusations and, and all the ugly websites. They did those things against Bush. They say they didn't, but they did. But the thing is, um, now to to swing back, we'll have blood in the streets one way or the other. And that's the problem we're going to have, Kim. We're at the point now, I believe, and I could, again, I could be wrong, but we're at the point, I'm afraid, that major change in this country is going to come with blood. And, you know, that's, that's what they're, and that's what they're wanting. That's exactly what they're looking for. That's what Obama's working for. Uh, it really still comes down to the fact, you know, not only do we hope that it's wrong, but that's part of why we have both. I know you have picked up and found your voice. That's part of why I'm out here saying and trying to reach as many people as I can because we're trying to avoid that. We're trying to reach exactly anybody that's actually willing to listen. Uh, and help them to understand not even not just the folks on the other side, but some of the folks on our side get caught up in the finger pointing, and we get caught up in well, whose fault is this? And you did this first instead of saying, all right, let's forget about that. Let's 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 fix what this problem is. I mean, I have often posed the question before: Why are Hispanics coming in across the border automatically votes for the Democratic side? Because when you look at the typical lifestyle of the average Hispanic family, they're generally very religious, very conservative mm-hmm. nature. It doesn't seem logical. But right. then it occurred to me, you know, what would happen if, uh, say, we were a small group of only English-speaking people and we were in, uh, you know, we're in Guatemala. And we're being isolated. And the politicians are constantly telling us, uh, you know, we don't understand the language. We never learned the language. So suddenly one group comes speaking English. And they tell us everybody else hates us. Look at what they're doing. And so then we're misled into thinking, well, these guys took the time to come here and teach us. Right. Uh, and they learned our language, and now they're telling us this. Maybe we better act in our own interest. So a lot of these folks, I'm afraid, are being misled to following right. the side. Uh, so yeah, we've, we've definitely got to get a handle on influx. We've got to get control of our borders. We've got to get a better idea of who is the enemy, and unfortunately, at the moment, I'm afraid we have no choice but to face the reality that some of the enemy is operating within our government. We have been infiltrated. We are yes, we at risk, and we have people controlling media. I mean, when you look at something as simple as the fact that Al Jazeera and Russia today are carried by most cable networks, mm-hmm. but then turn around and say something like The Blaze, not that I'm trying to promote Glenn Beck at the moment or push his stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. The Blaze has a hard time getting an audience. Uh, they won't be right. Comcast won't let them on. If that doesn't tell you everything you need to know, <laughs> then you're not paying attention. Exactly. Uh, We're uh, inside the last five minutes, so I wanted to go ahead and give you a chance to go ahead and tell everybody the website again, uh, get some promotion going out there for the Lady Patriots, and then we'll go ahead and let you go ahead. 
Erin, tell everybody about Lady Patriots and how they can find you and the site. Okay. Uh, you can find us at lady-patriots.com, or you can find us on Facebook at uh, Patriot Ladies, or Lady Patriots. You type it in the bar, the search bar at the top. But our, web, our Facebook page is, of course, Facebook at uh, Patriot Ladies. And I'm, I wanted to talk a minute about uh, about the Lady Patriot Space website. Um, I've got Go it up and going. I have... I'm embarrassed to say I actually deleted the entire website uh, in my server. I was cleaning out some some other websites the other day, and I got it caught up in them, and I deleted it. Uh, so I've actually had to rebuild it. And uh, But I will be releasing information on Facebook and, and on Lady Patriots in a few days or a day or so. Uh, and uh, I asked him if he would help me with uh, with doing some of the admin work, and he graciously said he would, and I appreciate that, Tim. But uh, what it, it's going to be new, improved. Everything's changed. Uh, there to in, to re- register. All you have to do is just go in. You can uh, you can register and go straight in. There's no approval or anything anymore. Uh, also, once you're once you're a member, then you can you know just go in with Facebook, and uh, we have a Facebook connect, so you can just log in that way. But um, it, that's lady uh, lady patriotscom our regular website. And LadyPatriotSpace.com is our, our uh, community, and we want to build a community of great writers, publishers, readers, talkers, thinkers, warriors, and everybody who cares about America. So that's how you find us. All right. And again, thank you very much. I appreciate, as always, you coming on with us today, Sharon. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Sharon Schutz, uh, Lady Patriot. And uh, can't help but uh, have a great level of appreciation. God bless, and hopefully you'll be on again soon. All right. God bless. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. All right. That's all. I to end a little bit of the minute of the show. I've intentionally waited till we were in the closing minutes to uh, to address the Ferguson, Missouri situation. Because it's too early to go in-depth. The reason it's too early to go in-depth about it is because we still have very few facts about what actually happened. What we have to make sure is that we don't rush to judgment. We've seen it before. We've had it happen before. We saw it. Everybody wants to get angry. Everybody wants to riot. But I have a few simple points that I wanted to point out. Number one… A rush to judgment serves no one. Now, whether or not this young man stole some cigars at a convenience store or not, it's important to show his state of mind. But if he was giving up and he got shot anyway, there's a problem with our police. If there was a scuffle, like a lot of reports have suggested, where he was going after a weapon and shots were fired inside the car and he was shot as a result of that, then that's on that young man. But justice is never served by looting. And when all the facts are not out, no one should be making blanket statements. This event has been as politicized as Trayvon Martin's shooting was. And there is absolutely no reason a tragedy – and it's always a tragedy when there's a loss of life of a young man. 
because just because he was a criminal today doesn't mean he couldn't have turned his life around tomorrow. When there's a tragedy like this, politicians should stay out. The insinuations from the people in the community that the looting is taking place from people outside of the community, I can buy that because it makes sense that you don't want to tear up your own stuff. Somebody else wouldn't care. Bottom line here is we need to sit down and have a conversation about where we're being led by the media. So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for being with us, and as always, remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Always be prepared to put in a little bit of effort if you really want to tap into the truth. Goodbye, everybody. I'm ready.